0: This week on your favorite soap opera, it's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and it has all come down to this. This is our last call-in show of 2010. But don't worry, because there are still two new episodes of SubCentral Live lined up for you over the next two weeks. Next week, on December 24th, it's a look back at the best and worst of 2010, Two Scoops style. I'll be joined by a host of Two Scoops columnists who will all be sharing their thoughts on the year gone by as part of our exclusive preview to the year-end Two Scoops columns. There's going to be a whole lot of opinions going on, so who knows what's going to happen on that show. Then the following week... December 31st, before you head out to ring in the new year, take a look back at the first year of Soap Central Live. I'll be sharing an inside look at the unforgettable guests, the outrageous moments, and everything in between. A lot has happened in 50 episodes, and there will also be a very special segment of the show that I guarantee you, you won't want to miss. This week, though, we are jam-packed with guests who want to talk to us before we close the phone lines for the holidays, so it's time now to catch up with some former daytime stars in the first-ever edition of Soap Central Live. Where are they now? (laughs) Soap fans are quick to rattle off the names of stars who've been on their favorite soaps for years. Susan Lucci, Eric Braden, Kim Zimmer... But an actor doesn't have to be a contract player to be memorable. My next two guests have appeared on Days of Our Lives for a combined total of double-digit years. Now, Kimberly A. Johnson and Ann Werner are working on a series of books that take a hard look at the many phases of love and relationships. So, Kimberly and Ann, welcome to Soap Central Live.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to be here.
1: I feel like I'm hosting this old game show, What's My Line, but Kimberly, can you reveal to listeners what role you played on Days of Our Lives?
3: Well, I was diva cop. <laughs> no, actually, I played a police officer. Um, I didn't have a name per se, but I was um, on the show from about, two, what was it, 1996 to yeah. 2000 and the end of 2002.
1: So now, as a Salem police officer, I'm sure you had the opportunity to slap handcuffs on quite a few of the big-time big, ta- big time people in Salem. Who are some of the people who <laughs> you've seen in jail during your time on days?
3: Well, basically, I was always arresting Sammy. <laughs> she was always in trouble, and there I was. And I guess they had me because she was a female, and um, and I was a female, and, and they put us together. And um, I, I know that there were... S- some other ones, but she's the one that I primarily was after.
1: Okay. And now, Anne, it's yes. your turn for the big reveal. Who did you
2: play? I was Eliana, made to the evil Demira family. The evil Demira family, huh? Oh, the evil Demira family, yes. Everybody knows that they were evil. Have we Eliana met the... I didn't think so because he signed her paycheck. <laughs> did we meet the
1: pleasant Demira family and I wasn't aware of it somewhere along the lines? <laughs>
2: No, I think they were pretty much evil all the way. <laughs> now, when, I'm sure there Kristen must was, be... uh, Kristen became like the uh, titular head of the uh, Demira family. She went from nice girl to evil, crazy woman.
1: <laughs> now, the two of you being on the same soap, was this just a happy coincidence, or was this something that the two of you secretly plotted to do in daytime?
3: Well, we both were in the same acting studio, and our acting coach knew Fran Bascom, who was the casting director, and my mother and I were both were like, you know, you need to get Fran in here. And so when Fran came, she hired everybody actually from the studio to work on the show. But mo- my mom, and got the most work. And I think I probably got the second amount, you know, of most work that, of everybody in the studio. So it was kind of like, we did kind of plan and plot and then it just turned out that way.
1: Now, let me talk about your book, The Virgin Diaries. Now, the book's title really implies exactly what it is but can you share a little bit more about the virgin diaries
2: go ahead kimberly okay well um... it was kimberly's idea so she should go first okay well and and what it is is we interviewed seventy
3: two men and women on what it feels like emotionally and physically to lose your virginity and the people who participated were between the ages of twenty and seventy seven so we got stories from all different kinds of people the youngest person to lose the virginity in the book was 12, and the oldest person was a 32-year-old man, which is really interesting. So, um, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it, we just, I've devised a questionnaire, and I put a call out on the Internet, and we got all these people to respond, and they answered the questions, and we felt that they were, you know, really honest, and the, it, we were really surprised with the candor, especially from the men and um, the, the thoughtfulness of the way that they, you know, recalled their experience. And the reason that we did it was because we wanted to make a book for virgins that they would have a resource to make an informed decision. But as we have put this book in the world, we're finding that people of all ages, especially baby boomers, men and women, are really connecting to the stories.
1: Well, Anne, the question that I want to ask, that sort of that Kimberly was mentioning, do you think that it's still true that the first time is more of a big deal emotionally for women than it is for men?
2: Uh well, you know, I just think that uh that uh, depends on the person. Um in reading the stories in the book, uh I I would say that there are a lot of women in there that really kind of approached it as just something to get out of the way. It wasn't hmm. necessarily a big emotional experience, although of course for some it was, but uh, for men um while most of the men it was it was kind of a a badge of having arrived at manhood um and some of them it was just you know but very few of them it was just to get it out of the way um there were there there were some people that were very emotionally impacted by it other people that uh, it was very surprising that they were they were not. It was just something that they wanted to do, get behind them, and then get on with their lives. So I, I found it very interesting because it was so diverse like that, and yet you found similarities between men and women that you really never expected that you would find. they very interesting stories.
1: Now, I have a question, and either one of you can answer this, but we hear nowadays that certain acts will say teens don't consider to be full-fledged Sex. So my question to you would be, do you think that teens nowadays are more or less concerned or, or see their virginity as something special?
3: I, th- I think that, you know, that's an interesting question because that was something I heard prior to, to putting this book together. Um, certain acts don't, you know, it's not losing your virginity. I think that, yes, it, teens still look at it as something special um, but, it, but, again, it goes to the individual because, uh, you know, I've talked to teens who have told me or expressed that, you know, they don't think it's that big of a deal. Others do. The other day I actually met a woman who's 34 and is still a virgin. And um, so obviously she thinks it's really important. And I really do think it comes down to the individual, how you're raised, what your friends are doing, what you hear from your friends. That's, that's what I seem to be hearing.
1: I know that there's a character on Grey's Anatomy, which of course is a very popular primetime show on ABC, that one of the characters is still a virgin, and it's sort of a, there's a running joke about it. Do you think that not giving your virginity is now maybe in 2010 looked at as weird and freakish? Uh,
2: I think sometimes, yes. Um, But... Then again, you know, it's the person because it, it really is everybody's choice. I, I would never consider someone who was who was older, who was in their thirties, uh, or even forties, somebody maybe that had never had it. I wouldn't think they were weird and freakish. I would just think that it could be one of two things. Either they never had the opportunity or they were just never interested. And there are people that are not interested.
3: Well then there's also the people that are saving themselves from marriage. That's you know, true. you've got the you've got people who, whether they're doing it for religious reasons or not, they they believe in you know losing your virginity with the person that you marry, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And if they're not married, then they still have their virginity.
1: I think the Jonas Brothers, all three of them, have their uh, promise rings or what have you. So maybe yeah, they're that's
3: h- going to hurry up and get married.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. The Jonas Brothers, of course, will be a, a male perspective on this. I would think that maybe men aren't as forthcoming as women in talking about things, but I know that you're working on a new project that's going to look specifically at how men handle the loss of love, loves of various types, not just necessarily romantic loves. No,
3: no, it's romantic.
1: It is romantic, okay. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that project and what, uh, maybe when that will be released as well?
3: Well, we're currently... Uh, we're, uh, I can't even talk. We're accepting submissions for the book right now. It's on our website, which is ARKstories, A-R-K-stories.com. And there's a link that men can click, and they can, they can be anonymous. And that, that's the thing. I mean, I know that when we collected stories for men on the Virgin Diaries, I think for them, even though it's, a pri- it's something that's private, they were anonymous, but it, they, can, they can go down memory lane and recall an experience. Recalling losing love is painful, And, you know, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, neither one of us are doctors or psychologists, but just from what we know of men, it's difficult for them to to deal with pain. But so far, the stories that we, we, we have received have been amazing because they've been so detailed and so honest and surprising in that, you know, when women and men break up, women always feel like, oh, the man can just walk away and I'm here licking my wounds. Well, no, that's not the case. Not at all. In fact, they they see, at least from the stories that we've received so far, they really show that they they suffer pain. It's just society tells men that they can't show it publicly. And as far as the release date, we just are in the process of collecting stories now, and it's a matter of how long it takes.
1: Now, before we go to break, because we're almost out of time in this segment, I'm wondering if both of you could share the one thing in doing the research for The Virgin Diaries that maybe surprised you the most. Ooh. Kimberly, want, uh, want to start with Anne, maybe?
2: I, yeah, I, th- I think really the thing that surprised me the most was when we got the story from the, the gentleman who was 32 years old when he lost his virginity. I really could not get over that. I, I never thought, I just never thought that a, a, a man would be 32 and still a virgin. And so that was the big surprise for me. And for me, I think one, at least one of them
3: was the story we got from a 77-year-old woman who lost her virginity when she was 15 and had no shame about it. She really enjoyed it and had planned on doing more. And, you know, that's like your grandmother. So it's just really interesting to hear grandma say, you know, I liked it and I wanted to do it again. And she wasn't married at the time. Right.
1: And I'm sure at the time that was probably scandal, so...
3: Well, you know, there was quite a few stories from some older people in the book, and none of them were married. So I think I actually found that was another surprise, is that the older people had less guilt associated with it.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, we are unfortunately out of time for this segment, but I want to offer you an invitation that when your next project comes out, I'd love for you two to come back and talk about that as well.
2: Oh, we would love to come back. Thank you so much.
3: Well, I'd I'd like to just say that if anybody's interested in the book, they can get it. It's The Virgin Diaries on Amazon.com, and it's also on ARK Stories, ARK Stories.com.
1: We will also have that link and information for you guys on SoapCentral.com. We do have to take a quick break, but when we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by another former Days of Our Lives star, a star who recently made a ghostly return to the soap. Stacey Greeson will be here to talk about her new novel, The Last Great American Housewife, when Soap Central Live returns.
4: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than soapcentral.com. exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the Daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow.
1: Hey, Soap fans, welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and thank you again for joining us on our last call-in show of 2010. This week, we are talking to former daytime stars to find out what they're up to now. In the last segment, of course, we had Kimberly A. Johnson and Ann Werner, who were talking about their new book, The Virgin Diaries. My next guest is also a former Days of Our Lives star who recently put pen to paper Stacey Greeson is known to today's fans as Isabella Black, but her new role as author of the novel The Last Great American Housewife is also earning her rave reviews. Stacey, welcome to Soap Central Live.
6: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on.
1: Let's get a little bit of background here before we go into talking about the book, which I'm definitely enjoying. I think you and I both know that daytime fans are known for their fierce loyalty to their shows, to characters, and to actors. So it's interesting to talk to you, someone who hasn't been on daytime regularly recently, but you're still wildly popular with fans for both your work as an actress and for your role. What does that mean to you, and you know, what is it about Isabella that seems to appeal to so many days' fans?
6: Um, I think, well, I, I think it's several different things. First of all, the, the uh, writers of Dave at that time created a, a very real um, character, really, really lovable character, and she died at the height of her happy life and that's, and young. So that's always great tragedy stays with you. Um, and then I, I hope I also had a little bit of something to do with it because I uh, worked really hard on... Um, making sure that I created a kind of compassion with that character. I don't know if that makes sense. But no, um, at, the, at the time I knew someone, when the character of Isabella was dying, I knew a man whose wife was actually really dying of pancreatic cancer. And I, um, as an actor, how do you find a compassionate way to... Um, I wanted to be as honest as possible. Um, you know, I have friends... Uh, you know, in the real world, of course, who have cancer, and they just go crazy over characters on shows who have cancer or, you know, oh, I just came from chemo and now I'm going shopping. It's so unrealistic, you know, and so how does a person who, you know, is dying, how does she live? So I think that might be why the fans are still so attached to her. And then, of course, I think it's also just because John had such great love for her for so long.
1: Something they that weren't I, with
6: him?
1: No, definitely. I think so. Something that I've noticed though, about soaps that I particularly like is that no one's ever really gone forever. There's always a way to bring a character back yeah. into the story. <laughs> and and of course, you were back on days recently, but you've made uh, occasional appearances since leaving regularly. Is that something that you look forward to?
6: Oh yes, I loved it. Well, I was absolutely shocked that they called. Um, as I said before, it's sort of funny because you're not really supposed to age in heaven, and I am 46 years old. <laughs> and Isabella did die when I was 28. Um, but I, uh, I just, I love coming back are you, It's just wonderful. That was, uh, those are really golden memories for me that time. And I absolutely love coming back. The people are so warm and welcoming. It's like returning to your family, you know.
1: And I think the daytime community as a whole is a family. So some of your extended cousins, uh, uncles, nieces, nephews, whomever, have posed this question in in mass, I guess. So here it comes, and I'm sure you know what it is. Uh, would you ever consider returning to Days of Our Lives or another soap on a regular basis?
6: Um I think the only one that I would consider would be Days of Our Lives, um, because I don't pursue acting as a career anymore, and um, you know writing is my full time job. But um, I, if they were lucky, if I were if I were lucky enough for them to ask me, I don't think it's a consideration. But if it were, I would of course skip right back gladly because I just love those people. I love working with those people.
1: You mentioned now your focus being on writing. I think in recent years, a lot of folks with soap opera backgrounds have turned to writing. There seems to be, at least in my head, a lot of similarities between being an actor and being an author, particularly in the ability to create. Is that what drew you to writing? Or if not, what was it that became your passion in writing?
6: Well, I had—I've always written. Even when I was a little girl, I would write songs on my guitar, and so I was always writing in my dressing room. Even when I was on the soap, if I—we had a lot—we used to have a lot of downtime, and so I was writing. Um, and I just found that writing felt more like me. I was never comfortable in front of the camera. I would rather tell the story than—I don't really like being looked at. <laughs> I'd rather be telling the story, and. Um, uh, it is true that when you're an actor, you know, I have just started writing with Shannon Sturgis. And she's written a little bit before, but I've been encouraging her that I know that she can write because she knows how to create a character. And to put yourself in a, in a character's shoes, it, it's sort of the same thing, um, writing and acting. But then also I was working with Susan Deal at the time on Days of Our Lives who played one of Bo's love interests. And she's a fantastic actress, and she was a writer, and she read to me something that she had written, and she really encouraged me to continue writing. So that's also sort of what came about. And I think over time, I just really wanted to do it full time.
1: So let's discuss your new novel, The Last Great American Housewife. I'm sure for everybody out there who's listening, the title alone conjures up many different things. So now that everybody's had a chance to form maybe their own thoughts about what the book is about, Can you tell us, as the author, what is this novel about?
6: Well, this novel is about a housewife who's a, 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 you know, wife and mom who has a pretty good life, and she's right at the edge of 40, and which is the time in people's lives when we sort of look back and say, my gosh, how did I get here, and is this all there is, and what do I want to do now, and... She doesn't have the money to travel to Europe like the woman in Eat, Pray, Love does. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what does an ordinary person do when she's dissatisfied with her life? If you look at our divorce rate, that's what people do now. They think that in order to be happy, they have to change their circumstances. So I would say The Last Great American Housewife is a novel about a woman who discovers that she actually has to change herself. Oh, wow. And when you change yourself your environment changes. So um, I wanted to write it from my perspective as a long-time practicing Buddhist. The perspective is that you don't get happy when you get a great boyfriend. You, When you are happy, you get a great boyfriend. So if we can look at ourselves first. It's not that she does that in the beginning of the book. It's the process of how she discovers that she has to become a whole person in order to be a good wife and mother. Um, and it sort of has a surprise ending. So, well, of course, don't give it away
1: no, at all. We, we mentioned, of course, this is a novel. But do you think in this story there is a takeaway for the reader?
6: I I hope so. I I like this idea that, you know, you don't have to be anybody special to change the world. You just have to maybe look around and fix the one thing that you can fix right? Just change the place where you are. You don't have to be anybody special. You can be a person who's anxious or afraid or um, sometimes snappy. You, You don't have to be Mother Teresa, right? You just have to be the best you you can be. So I hope that's what the book will encourage people, you know, what they can, that's one thing they can take away is that, you know, you don't have to have a lot of money to change your life or whatever it is you think you have to have, you don't, right?
1: I agree with that. I think that that's an important message, especially now, maybe this time of year. For folks out there who want to learn more about the book or hopefully purchase the book, where can they go to get more information?
6: Well, I'm saying uh, save a tree by me, <laughs> because the book is actually about a woman who saved a tree, right? She also tries to save the tree. So um, I've released it as, uh, we've released it, first of all, as an electronic version, so they can get it on Amazon. You do not have to have a Kindle or an iReader, a Sony Reader or an iPad. Uh, you can actually download it, the Kindle app, for free to your Mac or PC, um, and you can just read it right there on your computer if you don't have a fancy reading device. So, Amazon,
1: Amazon, baby. No, I think for a lot of people out there who maybe have written off Kindles because they either don't want another electronic apparatus or don't get it, the fact that they can now, uh, no application fees, don't have to buy anything, just the book itself, that's sort of a big thing to know.
6: Yeah, because I don't own a Kindle. I don't own a Kindle. I don't even know how to text message.
1: (laughs) I I don't know. I'm a a dinosaur, and if
6: my father could figure it out, anybody can. Um, So, and I I really like this idea of let's just see where it goes. There is something so beautiful about holding a paper book in your hand. It's really wonderful. But I wanted to see. I'm actually, uh, I have been challenged. I was challenged by several publishers who did not want to make a hard copy because they said that, you know, soap fans don't buy books.
7: Hmm.
6: And I would like to challenge. The people that watch, I believe that people who watch daytime TV also read books.
7: That they do. (laughs) Of
6: course they do. This is silly. So, um, I'm all about breaking down boundaries and barriers and I especially don't like it when people say you can't do something. So, uh, I think that you know, I thought, well, let's just try Let's just see how many people actually you know, are, you know. And I'm also doing a special little, if you are a fan of the some days of
5: our lives. If you buy the book, then I will send you an autograph
6: photo. So that sounds, um, like an autograph photo.
1: That sounds like uh, you know, double the reason to buy it. And if nothing else, what soap fans love to do is to prove people wrong. So for everyone out there who's listening, let's prove everyone who says that soap fans don't read or don't want to buy books wrong by heading over to Amazon.com typing in The Last Great American Housewife up in the search bar, and ordering the book. It's the best way to do it.
6: That sounds great. And if you send a copy of your receipt to my assistant, Joe, at StacyWrights at gmail.com with your address, I will mail you, if you'd like to, an autographed photo.
1: That sounds perfect. For everybody out there, if you want more information, you can, of course, go to SoapCentral.com slash radio. We'll have links and purchasing information for you there. Stacy, I want to thank you so much for taking time out to be part of today's show. Oh, Dan,
6: thanks for making the time. It's nice uh, to talk
1: to you. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back in the second half of this edition of Soap Central Live, we'll be joined by former As the World Turns star, Colleen Zenk Stay
4: tuned. News. Opinion. You hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow.
4: wellness network the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voice america.com
0: you are tuned in today with soap central live starring dan j kroll do you have a question a comment Or you just want to dish, please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at soapcentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Welcome back to Soap Central Live and our
1: special Where Are They Now? episode. I think it's been a lot of fun so far. I hope that you're enjoying it too. So why don't you send me an email to radio at soapcentral.com or you can tweet at soap central live and let me know what you think of the show if you like it maybe we'll do some more where are they now segments in the future you know they say you can't keep a good woman down I think there's even been songs written about it and my next guest certainly proves that old adage true Colleen Zank is a two-time daytime Emmy nominee whose 32-year run on as the world turns came to an end earlier this year of course when the show was taken off the air but Colleen could soon be dancing her way back to television screens if a growing group of fans has their say. Colleen, welcome to Soap Central Live.
8: Hi, Dan. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you.
1: The last few years have been uh, quite a roller coaster of emotions for you. So I guess the first question is, how are you doing?
8: <laughs> well, I'm fine. Um, it, you know, it's been such a year of transition for me in, in so many ways. And, and in I mean, in so many ways, in the big picture ways of... Every major event that can kind of happen to you has kind of happened in this in this year to me. So, um, considering all that, I'm I'm great, um, and I'm sitting down right next to my fire right now because I just put another log on it. And um, I it, it's I, I, I after the show um, went off the air in September, I just took um, a while to kind of regroup, and rethink and reflect. And um, it was, you know, it was a really difficult transition for all of us Mm -hmm. when the show, when, and I'm sure you've heard this from other people, when, when Guiding Light went off the air, etc. It's a, it's a big transition from going to work every single day, and and being a part of a of a work family who um, hear all the details of your life and and everything that's going on in your life, and you share all those wonderful little things with them. To to not having that anymore, um, so that you know that was part of it. It was not just saying goodbye to to Barbara, um, which was a whole another issue, but saying goodbye to um, the workplace and all the people, everyone from Sydney, our our security guard, to um, to everyone in the production office, to our writers, to Chris Gautman, to Chris's secretary, Mish, and, you know, it was just, uh, it was really, it was really hard,
1: really hard. It seems hard to believe it, but it's actually just a little bit over a year ago that CBS made its announcement that As The World Turns would be going off the air. Looking back now, what was your reaction at the time when you first heard that As The World Turns would be going off
8: the air? It was December 8th.
1: December 8th. Um,
8: December 8th. And I was home. And uh, it happened at ten fifteen in the morning, and I got a a phone call from the head of our of our makeup department, Eldo, who called to say, "I want you to hear it from me." We were just called down to the floor, and this is what it is. And it just it took my breath away. Um, completely took my breath away. I w- I was dealing with a number of personal issues at the time. And this was the last thing that I expected. And so it was like I got, I got um, double sucked all the way around by by bad news. And, um, you know, there's a bit of disbelief. I mean, I, I really, everybody thought we had another year or two left in us before CBS was ready to pull the plug. It was right. a real shock to everyone, um, from Chris Gautman on down. I mean, P&G P on down. We... We really thought that we were going to hold on for a while longer. And, um, and I mean, everybody knows, everybody knows we should not have been canceled. We I were totally not, we, agree. Were, we were not, we were not ready to die. We were not dying on the vine. We were telling fabulous story and story that people wanted to hear. Everything from my own, um, story of Henry and Barbara to,
5: to uh-huh. Luca,
8: <laughs> Luke and Noah. I mean, my God, they, th- their story wasn't finished at all. And, um, and, and Jack and Carly getting back together. I mean, I, we, we wrapped things up, I thought, beautifully, but had we not been canceled, there was just so much more story to tell. And I just feel sick to my heart that we did not have the opportunity to tell it.
1: I know I couldn't agree more. I don't think. Anyone expected that the show would be canceled when it was, and I just yeah. realized it's now the three-month anniversary of the final episode of As the World Turns. Just quickly, before oh we God, take my God, today,
8: of... it is today. Yeah, oh. today. I hadn't even thought of that. Hadn't even thought of it.
1: Just noticed it, and we have some callers who want to call in. But before we get there, just quickly, uh, how do you feel about the way the show ended?
8: Well, for me, very selfishly, for me, I was very happy with with where they took Barbara. Um, thrilled. I was not happy about the fact that I wasn't in much after the wedding, which was, you know, the last week of of, um, August, that I wasn't in much until until the last couple of days. But, you know, I think as a whole, I thought we wrapped it up pretty well. What a daunting task. What a horrible, daunting task that the writers had to wrap up the history of a 54-year-old show. With all the ge- different generations and all the stories. And I, and I love the fact that they didn't wrap everybody up with a bow. And I, and they, especially with the young people, you kind of had a question mark as to where their lives were going to go. But the fact that, that um Bob and Kim had their moment. John came back for Lucinda. I think the only one that I, I wish that had been told a little bit better was, was Lisa. I wish Eileen had had more at the end. Um, mm-hmm. But I, 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 I think when you look at the big picture, n- nobody made fun of us. There was nothing, it wasn't the way that Another World went off here. Uh, I just felt that it was um, very reverent to who we are as a show and the stories that we told and the characters that were portrayed on World Turns.
1: And I'm sure that during the highs and lows of all of this, it's been comforting to know that you've had the support of so many fans.
8: Well, you know, it's funny. I, I don't think I really knew that until this whole
5: really?
8: Facebook campaign started with, <laughs> for Dancing with the Stars. I don't, I don't think I really understood, even though I've had people telling me this for quite a long time, that I didn't understand the, the the fans that were out there who not only supported the show but supported me in my journey my own personal journey which has been um <laughs> i've i've it's been a, it's been a few years these last few years i i just i don't think i ever really got it until the last um 4 weeks and well, we... it's been overwhelming yep Four
5: weeks. No, we we
1: it's we have some fans who are ready to let you know exactly how much you mean to them. Let's start up in New York, and we'll have Pam. Pam, welcome to Soap Central Live.
8: Hi, Dan. Hi, Kelly, How are you? Hi, Pam. Mm-hmm. I loved you as Barbara. Um, mm-hmm. I have a question. Yeah. Is there another soap opera that you would like to be in, if you had um, a choice? You know, it's that's a tricky question because the only show left in on the East Coast is One Life to Live. And One Life to Live has their their full share of, of women of a certain age. And um, I can't imagine that they would make room for me. Um, and that means the other shows that are left are on the West Coast. And I have kids. You know, I, all my kids are based East Coast except except one. And um, I still have a daughter in high school who will be going to college next fall. And my son will be in college. And they're all here on the East. So I... I don't want to leave the East Coast. Um, so I don't. Oh, maybe that's they can write a part for you. I mean, Tim Zimmer's on there. You never know. You never if know. You're, if your fan's right into that's One Life to Live, you know, we say we want nice. to see you on TV, TV. you know, on I'm <laughs> One Life oh, to Live. No, you no. never know. You never know. But I, you know, I think in the big picture, it's really not where I see my future. Um, you never know, though. But you yeah. just never know. I won't certainly. Um, say it won't happen, but I just, I just don't see them approaching me. And I like, could be dead wrong. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, write to them, suge- making it a suggestion. Oh, thanks, uh, Pam. And have a merry Christmas and happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Okay, bye. Thanks for
1: calling in, Pam.
8: Okay, thanks. Bye. bye.
1: We're going to stay up in that general area. We're going to head to Massachusetts next. We have Bonnie on the line. Bonnie, welcome to Soap Central Live.
7: Hi, Dean. Hi, Colleen. Happy holidays, Hi, Bonnie. Thank and Ian, congratulations on a successful new year.
8: Oh, new okay. show.
7: Thank you, um, Colleen. I cried for two weeks straight when As the World Turns ended, and my best friend said I needed therapy because it was only a soap opera. But you became a part of my family since the mid '80s, my whole entire life, practically since high school and college.
8: Wow, thank you.
7: And my mother. Was the one that turned me on because she started watching the show back when Kennedy was assassinated and everything else. Um, PM already asked one of my questions, but what do you see yourself doing more now? Do you want to do more Broadway? Do you want to like? What's the next step in your life right now?
8: The next step for me, um, and you know, I've had a number of people counseling me and talking to me, and I have a I have a, a real stable of New York. Broadway producers who are behind me um, and really encouraging me and have been for for about a year and a half um, ever since i I came out of m- my last uh, cancer treatment uh, mm-hmm. a year ago february um, to to do my own show and that I have a story to tell and so that's really where I've been gearing myself and i in rehearsal.
7: Great. Um,
8: for, uh, a one-woman show, uh, with a, a fabulous director by the name of Eric Michael Gillette and a musical director by the name of Don Rebeck. Um, REBIC, you guys can, you guys can look them up because they're, um they're legion and, uh, legendary in our business. And, um I'm very fortunate to be on, on their, on, on their, uh, ride with me. And I, I see myself on stage. Um, it's where I get the most joy. For years, I got so much joy with Barbara, and and part of and there was no audience, and so my audience was not only the fans, but I didn't get the kind of feedback you get on stage. So my audience was the crew, and my audience was the writers, and my hmm. audience was the producers, and my audience was the other actors that we work with, hair, makeup, everybody. That's who who I got feedback from and performed for. But when you're a performer and you're used to working on the stage, you know when you are touching people by the audience's response. Mm-hmm. And this summer, when I, I the, the minute we finished um, shooting World Turns, I went headlong into rehearsals for a show in New York called Summerstock NYC. I'm, I've been blabbing about this a lot, so I'm sure a lot of you probably know. And <laughs> It was it was the best gift I could have been given um, after we shut down production, and I worked my little ass off. I can say on the radio. Yes, and, you can. Um, and we opened, and it was a limited run, and it was the best thing that could have happened to me because it just proved to me once again that that's where I needed to be, and um, and that's dancing, that's singing. That's performing. That's being in front of a live audience and feeling the feedback from an audience, and that's and that's really who I am. Um, so that's where I see myself. If other opportunities come along, I'm certainly will, going to take them. But I, I think that's w- w- where the future lies for me, and oh. um, and that that means you know, um, cabaret, one woman show. Um, I have a, a number of venues that have approached me, and I'm just not ready yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we thought we, I was going to be ready this fall, but it looks like it's probably going to be this coming season. Of course, if I go to Dancing with the Stars, we'll have to put it off for a little bit. <laughs> which, I hope, which I hope you do, because yes. I can right in
7: and say, I want you on that show so bad.
8: Oh, my God. I'll tell you, I love that show so much, I can't tell you. I've I, 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 I watched it from day one. I've had people saying, you have to be on this show. And I've been going, yes, I know. Yes, I know. But I, but when you're working full time, there's no way you can take off that kind of stretch of time unless you're on maternity leave. That's and, true. Uh, I got one more question for you. Sure. When you found oh, out you're going to be
7: paired up with the character Henry. how did you feel about that? Because I thought you two were so comical together.
8: Well, we're going to take this I, call real Trent quick, Bonnie.
5: Trent and and I, from
8: from, um, very early on when he was on the show, um, Trent and I got on extremely well, and we've been saying all along, if they don't put us together, they're crazy. They've got to put us together. We we come from similar backgrounds um, theatrically. We have very similar work ethics and work sensibilities, and we just had a feeling. um, You know, actors are funny, and we all come from different places, it, 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 within our our work and our training, and even though his background isn't primarily musical theater, his sensibilities are, and so it was. I, I just I kept saying we have to do a show together, we have to do a play together. And when they finally put us together, and they saw what they had, you know, the writers said, "Why didn't we see this three years ago?" Wow. We just, I mean, I heard that from every single writer. My God, if only we had done this three years ago, maybe we'd still be on the air. I even heard that.
1: Wow. Um, well, Bonnie, I want to thank you for calling in. Uh, we're going to go on because we, we need to talk. We've danced around. Uh, well, we've danced around <laughs> dancing with <laughs> the stars. we danced
8: around. We, we did. I'm so to do. happy. <laughs>
7: <laughs> but I want to wish you guys again a happy new year and a healthy 2011. Thanks thank you so much. so much. God bless and take care.
1: There is a segment that we do, Colleen, it's called Stranger Than Soaps, where I talk about a news story that happened in the real world that's far stranger than anything that's happened on daytime, and I think it's appropriate. I'm sure everybody's already heard this, but back in November, a rural Wisconsin man blasted his television set with a shotgun after watching one of Bristol Palin's dance routines on Dancing with the Stars. Apparently, 67-year-old Stephen Cowan said he was fed up with politics, and he added that Palin, quote, wasn't really a good dancer according to court documents. Cowan also pointed the gun at his wife, who was able to escape and call police. A SWAT team showed up, surrounded the couple's farmhouse, and Cowan was hauled off to jail. So I have to ask you, Colleen, do you know what you're getting yourself into? Right <laughs>
8: <this>? <laughs> I have to tell you, I did not hear that story. And, I'm, and I'm, I am feel like we're on NPR now, which I really love. I, I love that. You know, but uh, oh my God. Oh my God. Yes, I do think I know what I'm getting into. And, um... I just i'm I, i'm I'm dying to get into it, and I really want to do this and i'm um I'm hoping that the fans get their way with this we'll We'll see what happens. I mean they're um, they have been following us for a while. They know that the whole the whole movement, the grassroots campaign, which was started by a a childhood friend of mine in, back in Barrington, Illinois, and then the 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 group. A, a, surrounded all of a sudden um and about a week and a half ago not even 2 weeks ago a week and a half ago I realized that there was this posse of women um, and then I they started communicating with each other and then I communicated with them saying who the hell are you and then they dubbed themselves team Colleen. and now they 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 um, there is a plan they are they are uh every everyone from a 27-year-old woman in Vancouver to a, um, a graduate student in art therapy at Wayne State in Detroit to a uh, mom of two in Illinois, not far from my hometown, to a, um, a mom down in Jacksonville, Florida, to a mayor, I say this very quietly, a mayor um, of an unnamed city in Massachusetts, <laughs> <laughs> to a fourteen year old freshman in high school in ohio and um and they've added a few more uh, in the last couple of days a number of other um, people have come on to be a part of the team Colleen um, think tank and they are a think tank hmm. and they're doing everything they can to get me on this show and I'm like overwhelmed completely I, overwhelmed I um, can't believe by, by this have... support. they're they're unbelievable
1: I can't believe we're we're almost out of time. So we have about two minutes. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how more to to say. I mean, you've said that it means so much to you. Um, but quickly, do you have any dancing experience that would prepare you for the craziness of Dancing with the Stars?
8: Well, I was a you know I was a trained dancer as a kid. I was a trained dancer all through my my entire life into my twenties. Um, I have um, I have a Bob Fosse story that you know he told me that I was not dirty enough yet to 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 do Chicago after he had offered me the lead in Pippin, which I turned it down,
7: <laughs> uh,
8: <laughs> mind you, uh, to rep- to replace Jill Clayburgh in the second company. Um, so I, I, I you know I really was put through my put through the trenches as a kid, but I have no ballroom training. So, and this is all live, which, of course, I guess my training is live theater, but you know what? I'm not 27 anymore. I'm not 22. I'm not even 37. So, you know, it, it will be, if it happens, it will be heaven, and I will take it and run with it and just be so grateful. If it happens that these fans out there, believe in me, believe in our form, our genre, and want to see one of us succeed um, in in a different area of our business so they can still see one of us on TV.
1: Well, we're going to post the link for anybody out there who wants to sign the petition and get Colleen on Dancing with the Stars over on SoapCentral.com. Colleen, I want to thank you so much for being part of our last call-in show here in 2010.
8: Thank you. Now, wait, let me ask real quick. You have a petition on SoapCentral?
1: Uh, it's apparent. It's on Facebook. We're going to post the link oh, yeah. to it. Oh uh, yeah, that's the
8: Facebook. Yes, that's a Facebook yes. grou- uh, Facebook group. That's perfect.
1: And we'll we'll try to see what happens. Uh, we'll hopefully, see what happens. Hopefully, in January or so, we'll hear a big announcement that you're going to be on Dancing with the Stars.
8: We'll be talking again. I'll tell you this: The New York Post called me day before yesterday. They've been following this, and they're doing a feature on me that that will be in the New York Post the first week of January. So they think it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. let's see if it really does.
1: We'll look for that. I want to thank my other guests, of course, Kimberly A. Johnson and Ann Werner. You can find out more about their book, The Virgin Diaries, over on SoapCentral.com. And, of course, Stacey Greeson and her novel, The Last Great American Housewife. If you've missed any part of today's show, you want to hear it again, or you want to let everybody else know where to find it, head on over to SoapCentral.com slash radio. There'll be all sorts of listening options for you for this episode and for every other episode of Soap Central Live. Don't forget, there are still two new episodes of Soap Central Live left before the end of the year. Next week, it's a look back at the best and worst of 2010 with our Two Scoops columnists, and we will also be featuring As the World Turns, so tune in for that. I want to thank everyone for their support over the last 12 months. To all of you and your loved ones, please have a safe, happy, and blessed holiday season. I'll be back here live on January 7, 2011, when Soap Central Live kicks off its second season. Thanks, everybody.
4: Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.